Hey guys, welcome back to the Enduring Churches podcast. I'm Alan, and on behalf of Trent and I, we just want to say thank you for being a part of the Enduring Church family. We're so appreciative of you, and here we are in the middle of November, and we've been building a lot of things, and we've built pastors, we've built worship leaders, and today we're, we're going to try uh, to build a student, a pastor, student ministry leader, Trent, and uh, I don't know, that seems like a pretty tall task to me. They're just a weird animal anyway, right? Um, Alan and I have experienced this and done done ministry in this area. And um, I don't know what to say about this. Yeah, it's just kind of a, a strange beast at that time of life. And you're dealing with um, folks that are kind of in the middle of lots of changes. So this will be interesting, Alan. I'm looking forward to our discussion about this. Yeah, no doubt. So, Trent, I mean, you know, we're going to jump into our to our list of eight things here in a little bit, but there's probably one overarching super spiritual ability that a youth minister needs to have. I mean, what is that kind of superpower? <laughs> this there's two things I think are really important and they are spiritual superpowers is that you're able to go without sleep and that you can live on pizza. And so if you can do those two things, <laughs> There's a there's a chance that you can be a, a student minister. Yeah. So if you're out there and you're uh, a pastor or a church leader and you're trying to find a, a student ministry leader, you know the first qualification: go to Pizza Hut, start looking around. Uh, you, <laughs> there, there's a, there's a good indication. So anyway, uh, yeah, no no doubt about it. Those are certainly spiritual superpowers. But anyhow, we've got a list of eight things for you today. We want to talk to you about. Uh, you know, kind of building that, that student ministry leader. So anyway, Trent, for you and for me, something that I think is really important, and we could put this in this list in, in many ways could fall to any staff person you wanted to hire, a children's, a children's minister, an education minister, anything like that. Um, but a coachable spirit, that's mm-hmm. just important for someone to have that coachability in their life. Yeah, it's it's tempting for a young person to come into a church um, to be a youth minister, and they they feel, or they, I don't know if they always feel, but they portray that that air about them that they know it all, and they don't need anybody else to tell them what to do because they're in some ways. I remember when I was doing college ministry, and you know you. You think I've got this all down. It, it, you're just like a, a little bit older than the teenager yourself, and so um, you know it. But I think that it, that really works against you. You need to have that spirit that says, "Hey, I want to learn. I want to be be better all the time." Yeah, I think that's for me always kind of been the number one ingredient I look for whenever I'm hiring anybody, and that was true when I was hiring people in a, in a secular field or. Um, interviewing a coach to work alongside me or, or whatever. Um, are you coachable? And, it, you know, I think also it goes on, on my role to be coachable and to learn from them um, because, it, you know, I don't know everything about students today. So am I also willing to learn? So if I'm going to ask them to have a coachable spirit, I certainly need to have a coachable spirit as their supervisor um, in that role. So coachability kind of really is a two-way street. But if they're not coachable, it's not going to work out very well, and it's not going to last very long. 
Well, yeah, and and just think about, um, you know, this person is probably starting out in ministry. Um, there's a good chance that this may be one of their first one or two ministry positions, and so that you know they have a, a long, hopefully, a long ministry life ahead of them, and. <laughs> I don't know, this sounds bad, but you don't last long in youth ministry. You you typically want to move on to becoming uh, a different uh, minister, pastor, or whatever. Um, and so you do need to learn some skills that would help you to aim toward the future. But there's also skills that you can um, learn and teach uh, where you're at right now um, so that you can become a better youth minister. Yeah, you know, youth ministries are so varied. You've got people who are just church members who just have a burden for students and they're volunteers. Um, but I still think you should interview them and that you should have a set of expectations for them. And, you know, they may do this into their 50s or 60s. And, and then you've got the other the other type who are looking to go into ministry and it's a natural place for them to start, but that's not where they're going to end up. And you do need to kind of know when, Part of part of having a coachable spirit is what do they need to learn and making sure that you're getting them the right information that they can absorb. So all of those things are really important to have a sense of awareness of, of where they're at. Well, and I, I want to add here as we just start out on this, that it is so important if you're in that one of those search teams that is looking for this person. You must do your due diligence and do background checks and do all of that stuff because there are, unfortunately, there are some people that like to weasel their ways into youth ministry to hurt and take advantage of, of young people. And so, man, of all places, this is an area you really need to do your background checks. You need to do extensive um, checks on the any references that they might have and do second level references. Um, it's just important that you protect your kids and your, your families. Absolutely. And I appreciate you saying that that is a, a good place to begin the process. So um, a coachable spirit uh, is certainly important. Also a disciple maker mentality. Um, Trent, I'm not sure that that's always what people were looking for in youth ministry leaders. You know, you and I grew up in the youth ministry era. And I think when we thought of youth ministers, you know, some people kind of thought, who's the loudest, most obnoxious person? That's probably going to be the youth minister. And, <laughs> you know, sometimes it was more about events than it was about discipleship. So why is this so important? Well, let's just think about you know, most people trust Jesus as their savior, as a child or a young youth. And so they're right at that time where they need to be discipled. They need to be grown up, raised up. And, and a youth minister has a, a special place and time to be able to do that um, and, and make it into something that would become a lifestyle instead of hey, I've got to do this, you know, checking off my list. Um, so I think this a disciple maker, a disciple maker mindset really helps to grow your church as a whole. Yeah, that's a beautiful way of putting it. So we want them focused more on how do we equip our students 
to go beyond just being a student in church to being a young adult in church. And one of the indicators that we know exists is that if they are not discipled, there's no real reason to stick. Discipleship gives us the reason to stick. It grows and builds, makes our roots grow deep into Christ so that when the the rough winds of this world blow against us, um, we're still standing strong. So I think that's a really important role. You know, I was talking with a young lady yesterday who is now doing a children's ministry. When she was 16, she came into the church where she's now working. And the difference was that for the first time in her life, she says, I was discipled um, by my youth minister. And I think that that has made a huge difference in her life. And I think that that's a testimony that could um, be repeated by many people in many places who have had that discipleship focused uh, youth ministry leadership. And I would encourage you, if you're one of those people searching for this person, um, look for somebody who's will put uh, students to work because it's not just memorizing scripture and checking off lists, but um, you know, like you mentioned that young lady, she was probably given jobs and responsibilities as she went along, as she grew in her um, ability to lead. And, and so during that time when a, you know, this person is dealing with middle school, high school age, maybe college age people, that's a great time to give them small responsibilities and let them experiment, let them even fail. Uh, and that's going to happen sometimes, but that's a big part of being making disciples is giving them jobs to do. Yeah, that's so true. So, you know, those two, to me, those are really just two of the biggest things. Um, the other things are important, but I, I really put those just at the top of the list for me, a coachable spirit and a disciple maker. Um, Trent, one of the ones, and I think you, you are so passionate in this area. And I want you to explain to everyone why this one is so important. But you, you have the word mission-mindedness here. You know, why is having a mission focus so important for someone who's working with our, our students? Well, when I was in uh, youth, I had a youth minister that, um, and he was, did youth and music. You know, and that was a kind of a combination that a lot of churches have and still do to some extent. But that was the beginning of my discipling was us going on mission trips. Um, we did that a lot. And then I continued that when I was working with college students. I took students on mission trips all the time. And for me, outside of trusting Jesus as your savior, a mission trip changes your life more than anything else. And I think that's a huge part of, of discipling someone, getting them on the path of, hey, we're going to be on mission. Um, and some of that's local, some of that's you know in the States, some of that's even overseas. But you, you've got to give people and, and make them develop that mindset of, hey, we are on mission. We are always on mission. And I think one of the things that you can, can think about when you think about having mission-mindedness, it involves two parts. It involves the serving side of missions. We want to teach and, and model for our students how to serve, but we also want to model for them how to share. Um, service alone is not enough. We've also got to teach them to share. That's part of the mission 
experience, part of what we teach people on mission is to learn how to share their faith effectively. And I think that that, that really you can develop those skills on mission trips and learning to do that. And I think that those, those opportunities are hugely important in the life of a student and can certainly have some positive formation in, in their spiritual development. So, you know, I, I don't think we can go too far away from having a mission focus as a church and certainly not in our student ministry. Well, and I think another part of that, Alan, is that um, a mission trip gives you the opportunity to learn to love people, love people that don't necessarily look like you, speak like you, live like you. Um, when everything around us, especially as a young person, our parents, the news, our schools are teaching us to be afraid of people who are not like us. A mission trip teaches us that God died for those, you know, Jesus died for those people just as much as he did for me. Yeah, that's that's a great word. So mission-mindedness, we have another one here, collaborative. And when we talk about collaborative, Trent, we're talking about, you know, working with other student ministry leaders in your area, maybe even your town, but kind of building a sense of togetherness in that way. Um, that's something that, that I know uh, my church had a relationship with another church and we did some joint activities, even though we were a really large church and we were kind of a self-contained youth ministry. Um, we still did some things with, with other churches. And I always thought that that was an important thing to do and to experience was a sense of togetherness with others. Well, well it's, and it's so important, Alan, when, especially in your, if you're in a town that has like one high school one middle school, um, and you've got all these little youth groups, if you leave it like that, it becomes an us versus them mindset. Instead of when youth ministries work together and those students go to school together, so why would they not be, you know, all of us together have that mindset instead of an us versus them mindset? It's a little bit different when you're in a huge town where with multiple schools and, and it's that's a real difficult situation where you've got multiple uh, students from multiple schools in your youth ministry. It's a challenge all its own. But I, I think this is a very important thing to work together with other youth ministries. Yeah, and I do think it was a challenge because we had uh, four major high schools in our town plus a uh, um an outlying town that had another high school and they've added two more uh, since I've left. Oh, so wow. I was there now, there'd be, you know, six or seven plus Christian schools, you know, things like that. But I think that one of the things that, that is just important with this too, is this, just this idea that they're not alone. Um, when, when I was growing up and when Trent, when you, you were in youth, a lot of your student friends, even if they didn't go to church regularly, respected church um, so so often today our kids might be one of a small handful that are involved at all at church and so getting together with other students who share your faith is, is helpful it's encouraging and it's really needed just as for the for the to see the support and know that you're not alone in what you're doing and so build that collaborative nature you want someone who knows how to work with other people and again, they don't have to, they don't have to take all the responsibility, but they certainly take initiative to get to know others. And speaking of initiative, let's look at our fifth one here, Trent. Um, we, we need good communication and people skills um, in this mm -hmm. person. 
um, I, I don't think uh, you're going to make it very long if you don't learn to communicate very well. Well, and, you know, probably this is going to be a younger person, and so you can't expect them to be perfect. But they do have to have some basic abilities to communicate scripture, um, not only with young people. And, and so here's the deal. It's a different deal to communicate with a group of young people than it is to communicate with the whole church. And this person needs to be a part of the whole church. And so they have to be able to communicate with parents. They have to communicate with older adults. If they're wise, they'll, they'll spend time with senior adults too. Uh, but they need to be able to communicate, you know, what's going on with youth? What are the things that they can, the church can be praying for? Um, have some people skills, you know. <laughs> Unfortunately, some, a lot of times you're an ad hoc counselor we don't use that term because of liability issues, but um, that you you have to have some skills dealing with people and especially parents. Yes, and the reason for this importance, Trent, is the, you're asking these people to support you and to support the ministry, and they are. Um, their youth ministry is expensive, and it takes a lot of funding and you're asking these people to also support those ministries that you're trying to do to help have a vibrant student ministry so you need to be able to communicate what's going on you need to be able to to relate the stories and communicate the needs and all these other types of things and so if you don't have good people skills and you just kind of isolate and just only hang out with the students and you're not communicating with the whole of the church you're, you're going to have problems and so developing communication and people skills and it is a developmental process you know with all of these you know you may not be super mission minded but are you coachable you know you may not be highly collaborative but are you coachable you may not have the best communication and people skills but are you coachable i think a lot of it mm -hmm. goes to the very first thing well and, and you said something that's very important alan to be able to share stories uh, with your church of what's going on um I had a wise man who mentored me in college ministry years ago. Uh, Buddy Young told me that people don't really care about statistics, but they love to hear stories and that motivates them. And so being able to share the story of what God is doing, even if it's in one student's life, um, instead of saying, well, we had 50 kids in our, in our youth group this week or this month or this year, whatever, you know, instead of just sharing statistics, share stories of how God is moving and growing and teaching students and how they're grasping this and their heart is changing. That's huge. Yeah, I love that. So develop those communication and people skills and tell the story. Um, you know, the other part, you know, we have collaboration, but we also think that you need to be a team player within the church and recognize that your ministry is not the only thing that's going on in the life of the church. Um, I have been around youth ministers that hog the building, um, that hog the every amount of attention, every re available resource. Um, they view it as their own. And it's funny that we can complain about how sometimes uh, people can be in a church so long that they feel like they own their pew or own their seat. I've seen that as much with students as I've seen it anywhere else in the church. The other side of that is, uh, and I had a, a great example of this in um, the youth minister that I had in Oklahoma, uh, who is now the pastor there. Um, but 
when it came to VBS, man, Kelly was all in. He was, you know, he encouraged the youth to be a part of Vacation Bible School to help the teachers and to help whatever way that was needed. When it came to children's camp, Kelly was all in and helping them to get ready for children's camp. Um, even when senior adults were having um, something, Kelly was there and he was part of that. And so, you know, he, he was part of the whole church and he was willing to work with the staff for all of our church, you know. And so that that made a big, you know, because we saw him working with us and helping. Man, we were so ready to help whenever a youth event came along. Yeah. You know, teamwork. You know, it's my wife hates it, but it's one of my all time favorite quotes, uh, one of those John Maxwell isms. But teamwork makes the dream work. Mm -hmm. And so true that if you don't work together as a team, it doesn't matter where your dream and vision is. It takes everyone working together to accomplish that. So you want to build this sense of teamwork and this sense of cohesion. And if someone always kind of feels like, they're they're the primary focus well you know we have the largest ministry and we reach the most people and you know the reality is you probably should i mean that's just how it is in a lot of communities you probably should be the most vibrant looking ministry from the outside in in the life of the church so don't big deal you're still part of the life of the church and you've got to you've got to fit into that team structure so that's certainly a, a big deal when we're looking at this person that we want to have. What about technological awareness? Trent, that, that kind of surprises me that this is on the list. That Why would we be concerned about technological awareness? Well, and this covers a huge gamut of things. Uh, but this is, I learned uh, not only when I was doing younger you know, college ministry, but from our youth ministers that I've had over the years, how important this is, especially nowadays dealing with social media. Um, what are your students involved in? Um, they expect a level of um, technology in your ministry as well. Um, just simple things of being able to communicate with your students, um, you know, sending out messages, say, hey, we're doing this tonight, bring a friend, whatever. Well, what, what way you're not going to use Facebook to communicate with your youth group, you're going to find out what they're in and, and it changes so much quicker than it does with us adults. But you have to be aware of those things. What are things that, that youth are using? What social media platforms are they into um, so that you can be able to communicate with them? Yeah, that's, that's important. You know, our, my church, um, they block the internet signal in the student building. So, when kids are in there, they can't be on their phones. They can't be um, looking things up online. You know, none of that, none of that, you know, they, they have to pretty much turn their cell phones off. They have to pay attention. Um, and, and part of that's to protect the students while they're there. And you have this protective role, but you do need to know what's going on and what kids are using technologically. I believe that the average first experience of a, of a, Someone with a cell phone, a smartphone, is nine years old for their first engagement with pornography. I mean, think about that. Nine years old. Um, no wonder so many of our, our young men and young women are addicted to pornography. They're seeing it so early and that stuff's getting embedded in their minds at a very early age. 
and knowing knowing that and, and having conversations not only with students but with parents to be aware of what technology can do and how it can be bad and you know kids are very resourceful they find all kinds of ways to get out around your very best efforts um to protect them in this area so you want your youth minister to be up on some of the technological um, advances that are coming on a regular basis. That's for sure. And so the next one that we have, our last one here is family focused ministry. And that you, you can use technology to build families together, or you can use it to separate um, youth from their parents. And so I, to me, this is a huge thing that, that a student ministry that you find and hire needs to be someone who is a unifier of families, not someone who is pulling families apart. Yeah, family-focused ministry. In fact, I think we're not going to see the word student ministry leader or student pastor, those type of things. It's going to be family ministry. And we're already seeing that trend. That's where churches are going. They don't have the, the financial wherewithal to have um, separate staff. And so many of our student ministry leaders are having to take a role from basically to the cradle to graduation. And in some cases from the cradle to the grave, they're becoming kind of a jack of all trades. And even though um, your primary focus may be students, you still oversee children and adult ministries in some cases in the church. So how are we putting the family unit together? You know, the youth ministry era and the church growth movement did a big work to separate families in the church, to separate moms from dads and kids from parents, and let's all have our own thing. And now we recognize that, you know, having sixth graders in children's church is probably one of the worst things that you can do for a sixth grade kid. They need to be in church, engaged with the adults, worshiping with the adults, and we want that in there. So how do we be mindful of that and recognize that the family needs discipleship and that your biggest advocates for your ministry need, needs to be your parents and you need to support them. They're not there to support you. You're there to support them. And, and how do you build that mentality? Well, and this goes back to that coachable thing that Alan mentioned at the beginning of this one is that, you know, a person who's hired maybe with the looking at student ministry um they if they're coachable they will have a better um, tenure and ability to minister to all those levels of family life and i agree this is something that that we need our families to be unified instead of separating out all the groups that's why we have all these churches that are separate uh, according to affinity groups is we that's we we planted that idea in people's hearts and lives for so long when we need to be brought together yes we want unity in the church i love that that's the goal right we don't want mm -hmm. to have segmentation um we we certainly have small groups we have all these things but when those things come together there should be something beautiful in that and there are just many churches out there that are still trying to use an archaic, mo what's become an archaic model of, you know, we've got our own children's service. We've got a, a youth ministry service. We've got a college service. We've got a young adult service. We've got a senior adult service. That's not the kingdom of God. Uh, the kingdom of God is the whole family. 
coming together and giving people an opportunity to see and grow from that. The more students are engaged with other adults in the church, besides their youth minister, besides their pastor, besides their parents, in a healthy way, the more likely they are to remain in church. So building and conducting these type of relationships um, is critical to the spiritual growth of our students. So we have to have this family. Yes, and we want our students to interact with senior adults to learn from them. We want them to interact with with parents to, you know, not just their parents, but all the parents of the church to see, you know, and to learn from them. We also want them to interact with young younger children to be a servant and to give them opportunities to serve and minister in their own right as well. So, yeah, a church can be a family. It can be a, a an organism that works together well, that that looks like a family. And so when you're looking, if you're part of one of those search teams that's looking for this person, <laughs> this weird beast we call a student minister, um, there is all kinds of things to keep in mind, and we hope that you will. Yes, so we built uh, three things, Trent. We've, we've built a pastor, we've built a worship leader, we've built a student minister. Um, man, we are just build, building away. I mean, we've got little Legos going going on. <laughs> anyway, we've we've had a fun fun time so far talking about these three things, but we're not done. We're gonna we're gonna talk. Uh, got a couple more that we're gonna hit before the month is over. So Trent, we're gonna be talking about how do we build a deacon. So I know everyone's mm-hmm. tuning in for that one because I know there's a lot of a lot of talks all the time about deacon ministry in our churches. So I'm excited to have that conversation. Um, just as I was excited to have today's conversation. And we hope it's been beneficial to you. We're here to help you and your church endure. And so keep, keep tuning in as we build more things together. <laughs>